This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put, oh, he's going hard for up the right sideline. Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Welcome to the Republic of Football, Small College Pod Edition. I am your host, Mike Craven, joined as always by our small college expert, Corey Ho. Corey, how are you doing after week four? We are officially what, a third of the way through the college football season, regular season at least? It depends. It's either a third of the way or halfway for some teams because you've got a lot of D3, D2 teams play 10-game regular seasons. They're they're getting close to the halfway mark. JUCO, you know, they have a playoffs. They have the SWJCFC playoffs at the end. So they're they're definitely halfway through their season. It, it's barreling so fast through I I told my wife last week, I said, honey, you realize we're on uh, week five of doing this already because the NCAA doesn't know how to count. And uh, she goes, man, it doesn't seem that long. And uh, not yet, man. It, it just goes so fast. Yeah, they are. It's, it, I've always compared it to an amusement ride at a park. You know, you wait in line for three hours for two minutes. And that that's kind of what football season feels like. It's nine months of offseason work. And then that three months of the football season just just rolls by and it doesn't feel like anything. So that's we so had good. we had a pretty big week across the state at every single level. Of course, here we'll we'll do more FCS, Division three, Division two, down to the JUCOs. Uh, let's start at the big one. You were there in Abilene, Mary Harden Baylor, number five in Division three, fifty, number six, Harden Simmons, twenty. The crew now three and one, averaging sixty points in their three wins. Were held to twenty four points in their loss to Whitewater. Harden Simmons led this thing twenty to sixteen with four thirty six left in the second quarter. Following a 74-yard touchdown pass, Mary Harden went on a 34 to nothing run after that. Kyle King passed for 245 yards and two touchdowns. The running attack averaged 4.8 yards a carry. Some big games for Jerry Day and KJ Miller out wide. They combined for 209 yards, a touchdown on five catch on five, 15 catches. But to me, looking at the box score, three fumbles and an interception by the Harden Simmons offense really cost them this game. Corey, is that pretty accurate that the turnovers were the difference in, in this matchup? That's extremely accurate. It, it is spot on. You know, it was 20 to 16, like you said, there with four minutes to go in the first half. Harden Simmons was right there. It was hard to get a read on who really had the edge and the advantage at that time. And then KJ Miller changed the game. I know it didn't get discussed. It didn't even get a spot in the column, but he really changed the game when he he returned that next kickoff back to like the four yard line. And you know, Harden-Simmons' defense was a bend but don't break. The offensive line of UMHB was really good. They were pass blocking really well. But Harden-Simmons was also rushing three, maybe four, and, and playing a two-deep zone to keep Kyle King and that offense in front of them. And it was working pretty – it was a bend but don't break. And they held them to 0 for 3 on their first red zone attempts. But once they got to the four-yard line, Kyle King threw it up to Brandon Jordan, who's just basically uncoverable if you put, you know, with his height, if you put it out there. And and Kyle King did, and Brandon Jordan came down, and that gave him a lead, but it was the defense from there. The two of the next three plays for Harden-Simmons ended up in scoop and scores where fumbles were, were caused. 
returned for touchdowns, and it went from 20 to 16 with four minutes to go to 36-20 at halftime. And you had the sense it was over at halftime. And then when Kyle King came out and they drove right down the field, converted all their third downs, which they were struggling to do in the first half, just went right down the field and scored, you knew it was over. That's Mary Harden Baylor. That's just how good they are. More impressed with Mary Harden Baylor and the way that they can win these games when maybe they're not always supposed to or more disappointed in the way that Harden Simmons played? A little bit of both. Uh, Four turnovers leading to 20 points in the first half. It kills any team, especially when you're playing a team like Mary Harden Baylor. So disappointment on Harden Simmons' side, you know, impressed with what UMHB has done. I, I, I still have questions about this defense. When they get into the playoffs, this defense is going to be tested again. But if they can build off of this, like they changed this game, they helped this team get this win. They've been maligned giving up over 300 yards per game, which doesn't sound like a lot to some of us, but for Mary Harden Baylor, that's about double what they normally give up in a year. So they're not as dominant as we're used to. They can use this kind of change, work some things out. Look, the schedule from here on is um, is pretty good. About the only team really going to give them much of a, of a game will probably be Howard Payne, and they'll be ready for that one because those two teams got in a little scuffle last year. So – you know, UMHB, when they get back, it's going to be playoffs. That's what we're really looking at with UMHB now. Um, and I think that also shows a lot about Wisconsin Whitewater. It, they're a really, really good team, too. And, and, you know, my concern right now is playoffs for Harden-Simmons. That's what I was going to ask you is, does this loss kind of a limit? I mean, they went 9-1 and one last year with their only loss being against Mary Harden and didn't make it in 2021. Is that going to be the same recipe again in 2022? I'm afraid it is and, and because it's not that they had to beat Mary Harden Baylor. They couldn't get blown out right. by 30 and it's really their own doing. It is the turnovers in the first half that, that did that. So the win over Platteville will help, but I don't think that's enough now. You know, it depends. There's five at large bids in division three for all these teams. So Getting one of those five, Harden Simmons knows the NCAA is not going to just hand them one anyway. So I, I think this this I, I'm really concerned about them in the playoffs. I would love to see three Texas teams in there, but Harden Simmons, it just looks like the path is going to be pretty hard to get. Now they need help, so they're going to start rooting for some of these other ones in the in the country that are you know bubble teams to start losing. That's really what they got to do. Yeah, for those who listen and who, who don't know, Trinity's that other team. It's going to be Mary Harden, Trinity, and then hopefully Harden Sim is there in the playoffs. Let's move on to what was maybe the most exciting game of the weekend at the sub-FBS level, something I woke up on Sunday and watched a little bit of, a, of just because I caught the highlights and it looked like a great game. Southeastern Louisiana, 41, Incarnate Word, 35, back and forth game throughout. Incarnate Word ties it at 35 with 21 seconds left after a TD pass from Lindsey Scott to Marquez Perez. But instead of overtime, SELU hits a 59-yard touchdown pass as time expires to, to steal the win. Lindsey Scott threw for 333 yards and three touchdowns. Two receivers had at least six passes uh, with 90-plus yards of receiving. The run game averaged 4.6 yards of carry. So the offense was, was tremendous. The problem was the defense. We've talked about an incarnate word, improved defense, not as improved on Saturday. They could not stop wide receiver C.J. Turner. The senior had five catches for 139 yards and two touchdowns. That was more more than half 
uh, the receiving yards for the Lions. Corey, heartbreak for the Cardinals, but one of the best games in the country on Saturday. Kind of what are your thoughts on how that one ended and what that'll do for UIW moving forward? That, that was a great game. That was so much fun to watch. I it, I tend to – I try to watch at least a quarter or so of, of most any game I can in the small college ranks. And this one I actually sat down yesterday and watched the entire game. It was worthy of it from start to finish. It was just great. Uh, you know, the, the pass defense. Really, the defense has been so good for UIW. And, and SLU only had 265 yards passing, but that was on 27 attempts. They averaged almost 10 yards uh, per attempt. 16 and a half yards per completion. So that that's really tough to, to do it. You know, the running game. So you got 205 yards on that defense. Now, granted again, 43 attempts, 4.8 yard average. That's, that's a little more than they had been given up. So the defense kind of let the Cardinals down in this one, but can you really say that? Like SLU is good. We just yeah. didn't know how good, right? And, and GJ Kinney, coming into the week, he, he was really trying to nail home to his team that they were the underdogs. And, um, you know, they were even picked to lose by Massey ratings last week. They, they had them as SLU being a one point win. And, and that was really what it kind of felt like watching that game, that it was really just a one point difference between these teams where this hurts now is moving forward. It, it, this is going to, UIW had to win this. The rest of their schedule, the Southland Conference, is is weak. It, it's a weak conference, top to bottom. There's just not enough depth there, especially when you're con- con- comparing it to like the Missouri Valley Conference and things of that nature. So UIW will not have a top seed. The top seeds are pretty much out, especially a top four seed and home field, and you know basically through the playoffs because the championship game is in Frisco. So now they're going to have to hit the road, maybe first round, maybe second round, maybe get one home game. That changes everything for them for the future. It it just does. We'll see, you know, again, this is another team now that they're probably in the playoffs because they've got a heck of a resume if they keep going. But they're going to need a higher seed, and so they're going to need some help uh, from some of the other teams up there to to kind of help push them back towards the top of the FCS. Yeah, it feels like with an incarnate word, they almost have to get home to the quarterback or they're allow they're going to allow a big play on the back end. That secondary just can't match up. Uh, really impressed with C.J. Turner, the wide receiver for SELU. Uh, yeah, like you said, just a really good game. I'd watch that five more times. I wish they could play every single week. That was exciting. You know, I, I watched the last quarter, and it was like, I want this to keep going. Like, let's get to overtime. You know, like overtime would have been a lot of fun. So uh, just a great game, another great example of how good the football can be at the sub-FBS level. Uh, for those who don't watch a ton of it. Uh, our third game on the uh, review, again, we do kind of four games review, four games preview. Number three on the on the review, Tarleton improves to 3-1 and one on the season with a 43-28 to 28 win over North Alabama. Quarterback Bo Allen was named WAC Offensive Player of the Week after completing 18 of 29 passes for a career-high 316 yards and four touchdowns. He also ran for 32 yards on, on seven carries. Tarleton outscored North Alabama. 23 to seven in the second half. Corey, are you ready to say that Tarleton can compete for a conference championship in the WAC? Yes. Yes, I, I, I mean, this was the game. This was the first time we were going to really find out about Tarleton. They played Mississippi Valley state. It was a good win. It was first game. They went to TCU. Then they had division two Eastern New Mexico. They're on the road. 
They're at North Alabama and North in their homecoming, by the way, for North Alabama. North Alabama won 16 consecutive homecoming games. Well, that streak is over because Tarleton has got a defense. They've got an offensive line that is the best in the whack. I'm not, that is not, I, I'm not just throwing, they're the best in Texas sub FBS. That is a top offensive line. And they got a quarterback that can spin it. The guy is so accurate. Bo Allen is so good. And, and they've got him for three more years. Like That's the they, main point. That's the main point. Like Tarleton is just getting started here. It is. And they're not eligible for the conference title and playoffs this year or next year, I don't believe. But you know what? They're going to be there soon. If they keep going down this this year. Now, the whack is tough. Could they compete this year? It's it, look, at Southern Utah, at Stephen F. Austin. Anything can happen. I'm not, I'm going to say Tarleton is not a favorite in those games, in my opinion, but it's not a guarantee. Like a few things break their way. They could definitely win both of those games. They win both of those. They've got Sam Houston, which is basically playing an FBS squad. Then Abilene Christian, Utah Tech and Houston Baptist. That's very manageable to the end of the season. So these these two weeks after their bye week here, October 8th, October 15th, Southern Utah and SFA, that's going to tell us exactly where Tarleton is in year three. This is year three of transition. That's impressive. Yeah, I mean, with SFA not looking at – I mean, I guess they did just score 98 points on a team, so I shouldn't say not looking as impressive, but it does seem like Tarleton is closer to SFA than maybe we thought they were entering the year. Uh, Bo Allen's been great. As you mentioned, he still has – multiple years left of eligibility. So uh, good things happening there in Tarleton, a, a big road win for them, a great second half as well. Number four on our, our review, the last game we'll talk about from week four before we get into week five, Angelo State remained perfect on the season with the 34-14 to 14 win over West Texas A&M. However, it wasn't just smooth sailing for the Rams. They trailed 7-6 at halftime before scoring 28 of the next 35 points. The Rams averaged 6.5 yards on the ground per rush compared to 2.6 for West Texas A&M. Four Angelo State receivers caught at least five passes. Balance on the passing attack, not one true wide receiver. They had, you know, like I just mentioned, four guys catch five passes. Uh, a devastating rushing attack, over six yards per carry. How good is that Angelo State offense? This whole team, yeah. really good. And I've I've read and I've seen some people still not buying it. It's hard to buy into the Rams being a national contender. They haven't been there in so long. And so I understand, but it's time to really start looking at this team for what they are. They truly are a national contender. The first half, they're playing a solid West Texas A&M team who is desperate. They were desperate to get a win after losing that home to Kingsville. And they're down at half, 7-6. And a lot of that was the Rams on making. A lot of turnovers, interceptions, and and different things of that nature. They they did a they shot themselves in the foot in the first half. So they're trailing seven to six. You come out in the second half and they took over. And that running game is so and that by the way, that running game isn't even back to full strength yet. Uh, right. You've got Nate Omeyabu in there, but you don't have Alfred Greer. He's still injured and they're still rolling up those yards. You've got Zach Bronkhorst, who's not gonna gain any headlines as a quarterback. And that's a good thing because he's not going to turn the ball over a ton. He had he had a very rare interception, but 27 of 39. That's who Zach Bronkhorst is. He's a high completion percentage, take the right throw, 279 yards. I'm going to manage this 
machine that we have, and I'm going to allow the defense to do what they do, which is stop the run, held a, a good running attack to 2.6 yards per game, per carry, and that that's a, a formula to win a lot of football games, especially in the playoffs. This is a team that could have every game in the state of Texas on their run to the national title. They're, they're going to be high enough. I believe they're the top seed in Super Region 4 right now, so I believe they host all those games. I believe they'll be high enough to host the semifinal and then the championship games in McKinney. So game on, Angelo. Let me follow you all the way to McKinney. We released a new Texas 47 this week. The only two national title contenders left in this state, Mary Harden Baylor, Angelo State. Does the slow start concern you at all, or is that just one of those things that happens throughout the year and you're more impressed with how they overcame it in the second half than worried about what happened in the first half? I'm not really worried because normally it's been the second half that Angelo struggled so bad uh, in a lot of games. That's what killed him last year against Midwestern State was the second half. So for them to come out and struggle first half, they know they could fix that. They know how to start that second half. That's promising. If you could come out and keep dominating in the second half, you've got a really good chance. And, you know, now the schedule, they're going to Western Oregon. That's a tough trip. Then they ho- they got Eastern and Western New Mexico. That home game on October 22nd against Kingville could be two undefeated teams. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. That could be a game that uh, that I'm taking that trip out to First Community Credit Union uh, field out there because it, it's going to be a good one. And one other thing I do want to throw in there, in that game from West Texas side, uh, first off, your playoff hopes are on thin ice now. You, you cannot afford to lose another game if you're WT – and you also are unsure about who your quarterback is because Nick Gerber went down with a shoulder injury, what appeared to be a, a shoulder injury on his throwing arm late in that game. Um, and then that, that ended up into the quarterback came in, the backup came in, there was a pick six uh, for Angelo. So that is uh, WT's concern. They can't afford to lose another game. And now they don't know who quarterback is. So a lot of concern there in King. So that wraps up our week four recap portion of this republic of football episode let's move on to week five a a big one in the state right maybe the biggest game of of the sub fbs season in 2022 the 101st rendition of the battle of the piney woods between sam houston and sfa takes place saturday at 2 30 at nrg stadium in houston sam houston one and two on the season sfa enters two and two with sam moving up to the fbs this figures to be the last one in a long time i talked to coach keeler last week for a story I'm going to put out on Wednesday or Thursday. And he basically said, you know, as an FBS team, there's no reason for us to play an FCS team in our own backyard. It just doesn't make any sense for us. If we win, we're supposed to win. If we lose, that's a recruiting advantage for SFA. Before we get into the game itself, Corey, how much does it stink to not have that celebration of East Texas once a year for the foreseeable future? Because that's that's how I've always seen this game is just kind of like an East Texas celebration party spotlight on the football that happens out there that maybe not doesn't get as much run as it probably deserves to. It really stings, uh, you know, and that's the reason why I'm heading there this year to make sure that I'm there because it may not happen again. Uh, anytime soon. And it's funny. You mentioned that about uh, coach Keeler, Colby Carthel last week said the same thing during his press conference, that there's just no need for them to go play an FBS rivalry game that serves them no good purpose. It's not going to be a money game. They're not going to just play just to play that game. So it it sounds like this is going to be the last one for a little while. And, you know, 
how much does it sting? Let's look at what the attendance is, is looking to be. Almost the entire Sam Houston side is sold out. So obviously it stings the Bearcats fans and they want to show up. Hopefully the Lumberjacks fans will crowd the other side and we'll have, you know, a sold out lower bowl at NRG stadium that I hate it. I, I mean, it, it's going to be a bittersweet day because I'm so excited for this game. It, it, this is the game, the second game on Sam Houston schedule they had circled. And so it's going to be so much fun to be there. But then at the end, you know, you're going to get, get that feeling that it is the end and that those are always tough times. Where is this game won or lost? Where do you see kind of a key matchup or two that may dictate who wins this game, who loses this game? This game is going to be strictly decided on the the offensive and defensive line. Sam Houston has had struggles on the O-line, but so has SFA. Sam Houston has a great D-line. They've got some injuries there, though. SFA's got a a pretty good D-line themselves. Whoever wins that battle is going to win this game because if you win that battle, you you got a good chance of creating turnovers and then, you know, everything else kind of goes into place. Also, if you can win that battle on first and second down with the, at the line, you're getting them third down and long. So everything in this game is going to begin and end at the uh, on the offensive line. Do you think Sam or SFA can steal one here before this, this series ends? You know, they were so close. I was there last year. They were so close to getting that win last year. Do you think this is the year they can do it, or does that streak continue? Oh, it, it can happen. And the streak cook, I, honestly, this is a game 50-50. I have no idea who Sam Houston's quarterback going to be. It's going to be you Keegan. Know? It's going to be Keegan Shoemaker. I talked to Keeler. I, I can break that news. It's going to be Keegan Shoemaker. He's, he was able to start last year with Eric Schmidt being uh, out for this game particularly. So he's played in one of these games before, and Keeler said he's going to ride him into this game. And that's what I expected. After after Keegan came in there against Commerce and led the offense and and listening to Keeler's postgame, I got that impression as well, and I'm glad you were able to to get him nailed down on that. I, his weekly press conference is uh, here later on on Tuesday. So so we'll, we'll definitely, I'm sure he'll put that out there too, and I'll be listening to see if there's anything else that comes out newsworthy from that. Uh, yeah, Keegan Shoemaker, he's been there. That's that's huge. Uh, but so has Trey Self. And, you know, the SFA offense, I don't know how much they got figured out last week. Um, I will break down the, the game against Warner, Florida on the blitz a little bit. But uh, SFA has a chance. But neither team seems real confident coming into this. So, Really, this is one of those, both teams have questions. You kind of know it's going to be close. The last few have been, and who knows how this is going to get pulled out. SFA could have pulled that out last year when, you know, they weren't expected to really be that close. So we'll see what happens. Moving on to our next game. Uh, remind me, I should put, I should just make a breaking news thing on the site. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. I, I guess I just assumed that was kind of common knowledge, but uh, we'll get something up there after this podcast is we'll beat Keeler's press conference. I'll text him real quick just to make sure he doesn't mind me putting that out there. <laughs> uh, number two on our uh, preview for week five, Howard Payne at Saul Ross, 1 p.m. on Saturday in Alpine. Chips on the table. This is where I'd go if I could go to any game in the state just because Alpine in the fall at 1 p.m. is about as pretty and beautiful of a place as you can find in this state. Howard Payne, 3-1 and one on a two-game winning streak following a week four victory over East Texas Baptist. Saul Ross also 2-2 two and two and on a or also on a two-game winning streak. They are 2-2 two and two thanks to wins over Austin College and Texas Lutheran University. 
Corey, what excites you about this game? Why is this one of the games uh, that people should be paying attention to this week? Because Sol Ross is good. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> Sol Ross is good, and so is Howard Payne. This is going to be fun passing attack. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is going to be one of those games where it could be 100 to 98, and, and it's not because of bad defense, just because of great quarterback play and great offenses. And TJ DeShields, I know he's getting a lot of player of the weeks from the American Southwest Conference, rightfully so. He transferred in from the University of Akron, and he, he's a junior, so they've got him again next year. And he's completing 62% of his passes with 12 touchdowns and no interceptions. And by the way, those numbers come against teams like Trinity and Texas A&M Kingsville. That's impressive. Like I was watching him. I was like, man, against Trinity, maybe it wasn't what Sol Ross expected. But against Kingsville, they gave him a little run. They, they completely dominated Austin College. They go to Texas Lutheran. They pull out another nice win. Howard Payne better be careful. They're they're a team that, you know, they kind of have been playing with their their food a little bit, so to speak, at times this year. And uh, so they better be careful going into Alpine because that it's very possible, you know, Sol Ross could not only win this one, but I, I'm thinking Sol Ross could be right around the fourth best team in the conference this year. And that is not what I expected coming in. Yeah, the FBS level, Rice is kind of the most surprising positive team so far. For me, at the sub-FBS level, it feels like Sol Ross is in that discussion of overachieving expectations maybe more than anyone else in the state. They are. And, and you know, the other thing, too, is uh, Barry Derrickson, the, the coach, is still on interim status. So I start, I kind of have to wonder how long he's going to remain on interim status because if you're not look, working out a long-term contract with these, the last three weeks results, I, I don't know what you're waiting on. Cause that, that's about as good as, uh, as Sol Ross has played in a few years, honestly. And then our last game of the week five preview Navarro at blend 7 PM Saturday and Brenham Navarro enters the game two and two with consecutive wins over Northeastern Oklahoma, A&M college and Kilgore blend three and one coming off its first loss of the year and a three point defeat to New Mexico Military Institute, who has been just making the rounds around Texas, just beating teams. Uh, they probably are like moving in here, you know, like they, they kind of own the state right now. NMMI does. I think they're three and zero against the state of Texas so far this year. Maybe four and zero. I think three and zero. Corey, how do you see this game going against you know two of the best JUCOs, maybe two of the best JUCOs in this entire state? Well, it's funny you mentioned New Mexico military because that's exactly who both teams have played. And the games kind of went the same way. Navarro jumped out to a big lead early. Blinn jumped out to a big lead early. The second half is where New Mexico military makes its money. They've done it against the last three Texas teams they've played. They've been down at the half to all three of them, and they've won all three of those games. So that tells you a little bit about New Mexico military. But what does that tell us about Blinn and Navarro? They're starting to get things figured out. Blinn was supposed to be kind of an offensive juggernaut uh, with Brock Bolfing at quarterback, uh, the, the guy from uh, Montgomery, Texas. That's who their their quarterback is this year. They, they're, they were supposed to be an offensive juggernaut. It hasn't quite been that way. It's been more reliant on the defense. Navarro has got Dane Gents, who is a, a guy that any high school fan – Will remember he started out at Lamar, and then he's transferred into Navarro, and he kind of earned 
that starting spot uh, for the Bulldogs. Uh, well, the first couple weeks of the season. Really, he earned it when they went out against New Mexico military and put up good numbers. So this is intriguing because both teams are really good. Both teams could win. But it's a. this is going to be – it's a toss-up. Honestly, if I had to pick one, I don't know that I really could because I have zero read on how this game is going to go. And I think that's part of what makes this game so interesting to me is I have zero idea how this is going to turn out. All righty. Well, that's all we have here for the small college preview here for the week. Corey, appreciate you joining us. I will see you in Houston uh, for the, the Sam Houston SFA game. Are you coming in that day or are you going to come in the night before? Oh, we're going down Friday. I'm uh, foregoing Friday night football. Uh, this time we're going to head down. The family and I are heading down Friday, and we're going to stay there uh, close to NRG. And then Saturday we got the game and head back because Sunday I got Cowboys. So yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to uh, to this game. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. This is the first one we've both covered a, a college game. We've covered high school together, but it's the first college game we both covered. So that's going to be fun. I think I'm leaning towards SFA. I haven't quite narrowed down my pick yet, but I, I think you know that's who I thought would win going into the season. I, I'm trying not to use any recency bias. I think SFA. Maybe I'm just rooting for SFA to just to get one, so this thing doesn't end on like a ten game winning streak for Sam Houston. You know that is a great point, and I think that's also why I kind of root a little bit for Harden Simmons to end that streak against you because a rivalry is best when a team, when both teams are winning. Right. Right. And so, yeah, I, I would like to see SFA win. my official pick will come out in the preview on uh, Thursday this week, but I, I would like to see SFA win. I don't know that logistically I could put that down there. You know, I, I went with Harden Simmons last week and that one, obviously, Hey, look, I heard about it. Mary Harden Baylor fans. I love you. I just want you to know that. I love you, even though I still have questions about your defense. And I appreciate you not scalping me out there on the field after <laughs> the game. <laughs> and, and I would like to, you know, it's great that that interaction is great. In fact, Coach Harmon, I, I want to, Coach Harmon was awesome. And he, he told me, he said, thank you for giving us the motivation. And I guess when that came out, he was actually not in the United States at the time. He was up, I guess, on a vacation. And uh, Coach Fred, called him and said, get your butt back in, in Belton, <laughs> which I hate that I ruined the vacation. You know, that's not what I was trying to do. By <laughs> any means. Yeah. We're, we, uh, bulletin board material is what we do at Dave Campbell's Texas football. So, you know, that, that's what happens when you cover 47 teams. And as soon as you pick against one, even if you put them at second place in their conference, it's like, you hate us. And it's like, I don't at all. I just yeah. think this other team may win this year, you know, like go prove me wrong no harm, no foul type of deal. So it is, I will be at uh Houston Tulane on Friday night there. They play a Friday night okay. game in Houston. So I get to double dip a little bit, but I will definitely see you uh, Saturday at NRG. Uh, I would recommend a Frenchie's chicken dinner. If you and your family are looking somewhere to eat, I'd find some Frenchie chicken, something like that. I don't know. Maybe other people have fancier Houston recommendations for you, but that's kind of my favorite. That's where I end up at uh, every time I'm in Houston. So I will see you Saturday before the game and uh, looking forward to covering it with you. It's going to be fun. You, you know, it, it really is. And you guys have a great week. Enjoy again, Mary Harden Baylor fans. I know you're listening. I love you. I just want you to know that I'm not picking against you anymore for the regular season. Okay.
I thought you'd come in here and just claim them as national champions again, just to kind of build back a little clout there in Belton, Texas. So maybe, maybe that'll I'm wait. Not, I, Who is the favorite my, my right mom, now? My mom nicknamed me Maytag for a reason because okay. that means agitator. Right. And uh, so, no, I am definitely not going to be just proclaiming them national champions yet. I got to agitate a little more. Dude, just to put you on the spot here, is there a who is the like favorite to win D3 right now? I mean, is it Mary Harden as the defending champion after they beat Harden Simmons, or uh, you know, are they not as there's overwhelming? nobody right? Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> it, wide open. So it's, it's open, it's pretty open now. Mary Harden Baylor has a loss, UW Whitewater has a loss, St. John's took a loss to Bethel, who lost to Platteville, who lost to Harden Simmons, who lost to Mary Harden Baylor. You know, St. John's beat. Whitewater. There's such a circle on this right now. It really is wide open. And for the first time in a long time, the playoffs are going to be really fun starting pretty quick. Be interesting to see if Trinity can sneak into that. If they can, if they can make some noise in the playoffs, they're going to go unchallenged probably for the rest of the year. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how they, how they do once they play tougher competition. All right, Corey, we're running out of time here. So we'll close it out there. Thank you all for listening to our week four recap week, pre- week five preview. We will be back same time next week on Tuesday uh, to record again, to, to review week five and look ahead at week six. It's crazy. We're already at basically the halfway point of the regular season. We'll get this up as soon as possible. Please rate and subscribe, five-star, all that kind of stuff. Download uh, Republic of Football. We're trying to catch Texas football today as the premier podcast on the Dave Campbell's umbrella. So help us out with that, and we will see you next week. <laughs>